We look at the recent decision to keep duck hunting in Victoria and just how important it was to the future of hunting elsewhere. What is the fella's name on third base? What is the fella's name on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third base. Welcome to the Go Years of Australia podcast. It's the podcast for Australian shooters. You just want the political interference taken out of shooting. Welcome to another episode of Gun News Australia. I'm Neil Jenkins and I've got with me Sean Fraser. Sean, how are you doing? How are you doing, Neil, this weekend? Good, good, thanks. Almost weekend. Almost weekend. Almost weekend. I just had a bit of a look at some of my fire bowls over the last uh, couple of days. This is actually episode number 15. So this is the 15th um, podcast I've, I've done really since December. So it's getting pretty busy. I've got actually a couple more in the can. So while I thought it was going to be a bit of a struggle to get um, uh, one a week uh, this year, I'm actually well ahead of schedule already. So uh, I've got a I've got a good problem to have, I think, at the moment yeah, with the way this deal. is going. Not really happy. So the news tonight was not really, I guess, news as such, but it's certainly a hot topic uh, which we're going to cover is the announcement by the Victorian State Government uh, of its decision to retain duck hunting. Uh, and if we get time, we're going to look at some survey results, which uh, which um, are actually quite telling about uh, shooters' perspectives on 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 the views of politicians. But also, there's another survey which uh, which uh, is in the wings too. But it depends if we uh, get time for that, because there's a lot to talk about tonight yep. on the announcement. So, as you probably will be aware, the Victorian State Parliament convened a committee to look at the question of whether to ban uh, duck hunting. And this, this was this was pushed by the Animal Justice Party and others uh, as part of the way the Victorian Parliament's made up. And the Victorian State Government recently, uh, this week actually, announced that it was not going to accept the first recommendation, which was to ban duck hunting. So that's a, that's a big issue, big issue, certainly for, I think, um, obviously Victorian hunters, but I think potentially hunters elsewhere. In, in other states, Neil, this is, doesn't have ramifications just for Victoria. If that, if if the AL, um, Labor Party had banned duck hunting, the next cab off the rank from the Animal Justice Party, which they already stated was deer hunting, that's de- a ban on deer hunting throughout the whole of Victoria. Now that would have had ramifications for the whole country for hunting throughout um, every state. So um, this is a huge this is a huge uh, thing for every every hunter in the, in Australia. Yeah, and I think given the fact that the other shooting activities, and I'm thinking really about target shooting and gun collecting, really are smaller, really the smaller cousins of of hunting. If hunting went, uh, it would just fall like a series of dominoes. The the so the, the importance of duck hunting, I think, was was absolutely profound. Yes, I think, um, I think the last time I checked, Neil, there the, the, of the there's about um 1.2 million license holders of all license category. That's A, B, H, and D throughout Australia. And from the last time I checked, um, when uh, A had something in in their magazine about the license categories, about seven hundred thousand lot of the 1.2 million licenses were issued for hunting or recreational purposes. 
and that's yeah. that's mammoth. That's that's th more than three quarters of all licenses in every single state had something to do with outdoor recreation or hunting. Yeah, it's actually a world I, I don't really understand because it's such a, a big and diverse activity. I mean, you talk about the array of calibers, the array of firearms. It's 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 big business, and of course, as an economic activity uh, to the Australian economy, it's a, it's a significant activity there as well. So it's not just big for shooters; it's actually big for the economy. Uh, do you remember Neil how old that uh, report that they was commissioned um, by the Victorian government? Is it nearly ten years ago? I think now that there was four hundred thirty-six million dollar benefit to the Victorian economy yearly on yep. all all firearms and hunting activities. But that actually was uh, that's correct. I think the net benefit uh, was measured to be three hundred four hundred million dollars, but it was also very limited in its scope. It was actually not really reflecting target shooting. It was uh, also against a base case of if you banned hunting and people would then go off and do other things. Uh, so it wasn't really reflecting. I don't think it was actually true to actually understanding the, the, that when a dollar is spent in a town that supports hunting, that dollar is, is respent and respent and respent. It's called a multiplier effect. Yeah, exactly. uh, so it, it was very narrow in its focus. It actually was a report which was uh, only named four shooting organisations, and I've counted 90 shooting organisations in Australia. There's something like 34 here in Victoria. Uh, so, yes, you, you count the big organisations. They are, they're, they're quite true, but you've also got an array of, of smaller organisations. You've got the deer stalkers in, in Gippsland. You've got, uh, you know, um, hound hunters. You've got a, ra a whole range of other shooting organisations that weren't even factored into that report. So that report was done. Also, I know that CIFA a long time ago probably predates that uh, did a bit of an analysis of the benefits of shooting, and it estimated shooting to be worth something like two to three billion dollars. I think it was something like that per annum. Um, yeah, well, and that's well, New, New South Wales did their New South Wales did their report was a couple of years ago now, and for hunting and mm -hmm. shooting activities, and I, I think they came out with one point four billion annually. So yeah. surely Victoria, and that their, their report was done a lot later than Victoria's one. Surely, Victoria, if we, we updated and included all shooting activities, it's got to be well over a billion dollars annually. And if you have a look to see what duck hunting, uh, how it works in Victoria, I mean, I've had, I'm not a duck hunter myself, um, but I've had the fortune of dealing with people who, who uh, are involved in, in its organisation and going to some of the duck fever nights where these are big events where you have people who go to uh, uh, gatherings to get briefed on on the, the season that's, that's coming up. And that's where the suppliers um, are basically getting prepared too. They, they, they're gearing up to make sure they've got the ammo, they've got the guns, they've got the you know the camping supplies, they've got everything that you need um, to, to go hunting. So it's not just about ducks. Um, right. It's sure, you know, look after the ducks, but it's far more than ducks. And I'm pleased to, to hear that that, uh, that was knocked on their head uh, because all those things would have been at risk. The gun shops will start preparing around uh, December, January for their stock to come in for the Victorian duck season. And if you ever want to know how big it is, if you go to the, the gun shops in the northern and western suburbs of Victoria uh, and have a look at the pallets and pallets of steel shot duck ammunition, 
and also shotguns specifically designed for duck hunting, which enter those shops for sale. It's huge. Well, one of the, I guess, the frustrations we've had here in, in Victoria, I mean, we're fortunate that we've got the seasons, but they are announced late. I mean, we only heard this week about the arrangements for uh, for Victoria. And historically, you know, these businesses had certainty going back to November, December um, at a minimum, and now it's the way until yep. January, February. It's not enough time to, you know, to really stock up. It's not fair. And it's not good Neil, Neil, the last few seasons, because of the controversy from the Animal Justice Party and the Animal and Labor being mm. hesitant, the last few seasons have been announced at the start of March. So we, yes. the hunters, hunters have not even known when to take leave. They haven't even known whether they need to get holidays. This is, I nearly fell off my chair when they announced the season in January. Like, that's it. That's unheard of for the last four years. Let's talk about, I guess, really what were two announcements in one. The government, as I said, has rejected the committee's recommendation, which had animal justice representation on it. I think Jeff Bourne from the Shooters and Fishers was there too. Um, it was controlled, obviously, by Labor because that's the, the incumbent government. But there were other recommendations in the report that actually were accepted by the government. Um, but at the same time, the government made announcements related to this year's duck season, and I think they're actually separate things. So let me just quickly go through them. No, I'm not going to go through them in its entirety, but the the deal is that, that duck hunting won't be banned, but hunters are going to face mandatory Aboriginal cultural awareness training. Yep. There'll Whatever be tougher... Who knows? There'll be tougher penalties uh, for, I guess, breaching, you know, the laws. Uh, and uh, I think there was also some training, uh, some other accuracy training, uh, competency training uh, uh, that was part of, of that. And so that, I would imagine, will be in the way of legislation or regulations uh, in the next, you know, we'll see in the next year or so. The government also made announcements that it was going to have delayed um starting times to 8 a.m. each day. Yep. Let the ducks sleep in uh, <laughs> and have introduced a bag limit of six ducks per day. But to me, that sounds like it's just the usual year-by-year -year announcement that's made that's not yep. actually going to be legislated, but just the, the things that the minister can announce. So they actually yep. roll that into the one the one big announcement. Yeah, I've got I've, I've got some more information on that announcement and the reduction on from nine birds. The actual scientific report, which the government is saying will start um, in the 2025 season, uh, recommended nine birds per day, full season, three full three month season, nine birds today, seven a.m. normal sunrise start. Um, so I'll, I'll mention that. I'll, I'll mention that as we go along. I will mention that reduced season, reduced duck uh, bag later on. So if you remind me about that, I'll, I will. I've written that down not to mention it, but there's a lot to talk about. That's okay. That's politics at work. Yeah. Uh, the committee itself, um, as uh, we said, was. Uh, I mean, this whole thing came about because the Animal Justice Party, which is which holds or shares a balance of power in the Victorian Upper House. The seat's actually held by uh, George, Georgie Purcell, who's a yep. young former unionist. Young lady, heavy, heavily tattered up the arms. Uh, she is an interesting character. 
she's interesting. She she she, she, she doesn't the, the sort of thing the first the first uh, term it does, and that's you know stand in the media and make, make uh, noises and and push for these things. Now, I, 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 the thing that I, I really got me about this is that she when this uh, hit the news on Channel Nine in, in Melbourne, um, Channel Nine actually photoshopped a photograph of her. Um, now, look, I wouldn't say she's not an unattractive lady, but she what they did they actually enhanced her um, her chest area, and they uh, there was a photograph they had where she was wearing a white dress. They actually split it into two and gave her a bit of a midriff. You can only see about an inch, inch of it. Now, she complained about that to the media, um, and and got on t- TV about it. And it's, the funny thing is, it's not as though they made it look like like Dolly Parton or anything. It was really just. You know, sort of just a bit of adjustment. Okay, they probably shouldn't have done it, but it's just funny that, in fact, he's, he's, he's telling that she made that into an event. It was really because, sort... to be honest. To be honest, um, Neil, I if she hadn't have picked, mentioned it at all, I I would not have picked on it. I would not have picked up, but it was even changed at all. Then I don't think hardly anyone would have, apart from herself and maybe a couple of supporters. No one would have picked up on it if she no. hadn't have mentioned it. On a more serious note about her, though, the reason why she got elected, uh, let's, let's talk about the, the election results that got her there because they're interesting. In Victoria's got this crazy system where when you vote in the upper house, um, it works on a quota system so that when a, a party gets uh, a certain number of votes, it gets a seat. And if there's any left over and it's not enough to get the second candidate, candidate in, it can go to another party and there's a... Um, basically a collective that's been developed over the last few years led by a guy called uh, Glenn Drury. I was about to say Ian Drury, but it's actually a uh, okay. uh, guy from the 1970s. Hit me with your rhythm stick. Hit me. Hit me. Glenn Drury, who has been he made a, a living out of this, and this preference har- harvesting actually has also helped people like Jeff Borger and others get up. But in Georgie's case, the northern Victoria region, which basically is from Mildura through to Warbury, so it's really the top third of the state. Uh, she, she had, when it, when the, the the information came out before the election, it was obvious that about half of the twenty four odd parties that were contesting that seat in the upper house because there was a big, you know, it was a big playing field. Half of them gave their preferences directly to the Animal Justice Party. Yep. which was an amazing feat and it was in, really an impossible feat because what happens is when you trade when you trade preferences, there's an expectation that you're going to get something back from the person you're trading with. So, you know, usually it's all over the place. But in this case, everybody uh, got her. So it's obvious that she's going to elect it. And she walked, they walked away from the preference deals. A couple, about a week before the election was held, it became apparent they actually made all those promises or, or deals and then they walked away from them. Uh, so if you, Georgie Purcell walked away from. Let's make that clear. Not not the other parties. Georgie walked away from. They then did as they gave their preference to the Greens and other left uh, left wing parties. So that was a. They want to play in the, If people want to play in those preference games, that's the cop. That's you know the the price they pay. Um, but that's that's not going to go down well with you know with the, with the political parties, and I'm sure it's going to come out to cost them in the long term. But that's how she got elected, and she obviously had. In fact, my concern wasn't we was not that we we're going to have one Animal Justice Party MP elected. They were actually going to end up with a second one. Fortunately, yes. we, didn't, we didn't, we didn't yeah, get Andy, there. Andy, Andy Medic lost his seat. Now, I don't, yes. remember, I don't remember who he... Did he lose his seat to an ALP member from 
Yeah. Or was it a Liberal Party member? No, he lost it to one of the majors. I think it was Labor. I stand yeah. to be corrected. In another part of the state. So fortunately, we ended up, okay, we had one Animal Justice Party uh, MP before the election, and we still got one after. It's a different one, but uh, and Georgie's it. So anyway, Georgie was uh, was making a noise about, about all this, and the votes were, to show you how lopsided this thing got, the shooters and fishers in northern Victoria got 23,000 votes. Which is absolutely fantastic effort. It was a strong result. That's excellent. Yep, that was uh, Josh Knight, who's, I think, uh, tied up with the Wodonga AA. Tim Quilty from the LDP. Yes. Who who was an MP. He got 9,000. Georgie got 7,000. So if you combine the um, conservative... Um, pro shooting votes with Tim Prumit. Tim Coulty is also pro shooting. Would sure. you say he was nine thousand? Nine thousand plus twenty three. So Thirty two thousand. Thirty two thousand uh, votes regarding compared to her seven thousand votes, and yet she's the one elected with mainly Greens and ALP preferences. Well, no, no. Remember, they they got preferences from a lot of these other parties. Like not choose yes. the fishers. I think they of course they. Not, no. Fire, they actually, uh, I think they they they, 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 drank, they drank the Kool Aid and they decided not to because I'd, I'd called them out previously. But no, uh, a lot of other parties, middle of the road parties that had preference, this the, just, the Justice Party wasn't just left wing. Uh, so that's why she got up. It wasn't because a lot of people voted for her, it was 7,000, which still wasn't, you know, it wasn't the lowest number, um, but it was way down there. But it wasn't 23,000, which the Shoes and Fishes Party got. Not at all. So anyway, she had this report. It got knocked on the head. The government's sort of trying to meet them halfway because uh, she's gone off and and said that oh she you know you can't be sure that that you know they're going to support Labor going forward in this term in this, this term. What are they going to do? Are they going to start backing the Liberals and and National Party, which is absolutely pro gun? They're not going to do that. No, they're just going to uh, tread water. I think. Uh, for the, this term, but they, they basically didn't get what they wanted. It does mean that we've we've been hit on the head again for at least to some extent for another duck season, and there's going to be some new requirements coming. Um, but that's that's the price that we pay if we start mucking around with preference deals that get people like that elected. Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate that uh, Georgie got in because Andy Medic lost his seat. Now we were looking, obviously. Georgie was an unexpected win, uh, but we had uh, Andy Medic was unlikely to win his seat back uh, because of the people that he uh, pissed off during his term. Hmm. However, the Georgie getting in, as you say, Neil, was completely unexpected. And as you but, say again, I don't think she was going to get back in again. Well, it, I think that's I think that that's correct. Uh, for a start, the other parties that got uh, short change, they're not going to they're not going to get bitten twice on that. Um, She was... No, I wouldn't say she was unexpected. I think she was always a real threat. But the preference deals just made it a certainty that she was getting in. It was only a question of which... uh, Exactly when. Uh, But she was clearly going to get a quieter because half of the 24 parties had preferenced preferenced animal justice parties straight away. Um, And and unfortunately, that system, uh, there's no suggestion at this stage that that's going to change before the next election. It might. I think Labor will. Well, it's a question of whether Labor thinks it's a convenience or an inconvenience for it. Yeah. Because 
unfortunately, their view is, well, anything's better than having the Liberals the Nationals there. So um, they're better off having you know, some of the crazy left-wing uh, parties. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the view they might take. So talk about ducks. You've got okay. some more on this. Uh, um, that's a little bit of an understatement. So duck hunting. Now, th- this, your, this channel is called Politics Reloaded. There is nothing more political over the last 10 years, or five years especially, ten, going on 10 years, than duck hunting in Victoria. It's a, been a political football, which the shooters have been shafted over and over again for coming on near 10 years. And to say we nearly lost it, uh, I'll explain um, soon at the end of this talk, but is, is a complete understatement. The committee the, the committee was formed, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think there was a nine-member committee. I think there was three LP, one Shooters of Fishers Farmers Party, one Animal Justice Parties, so that's five. I think uh, two Liberals, one National and one Greens. Now, correct stand, I think that's 10. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, there was a roughly nine or 10 members on that committee. Sounds right. Yeah. So that committee formed now, and when you add those committee members up, already you have a stacking against the shoot. Even if the Liberals and the animal, obviously the Shoes and Fishes Party voted as a block, you're already outnumbered by the others. Now, if the government wanted to ban it, which they, they at the time, I think they did, the stacking of that committee was quite bad. Now, although there were 7,000 pro-shooting submissions to that committee, out of 11,000 submissions, 7,000 of them were pro-shooting submissions. Mm. Now, most of the submissions or the anti-side of it were simply either Animal Justice Party or Animals Australia pro-former forms, one-liner forms, like, for instance, I hate duck hunting, ban it. It was, there was a lot, which the committee actually just, all those type of submissions were totally ignored because they didn't uh, want pro forma submissions. Yeah. Of the 7,000 pro submissions, pro hunting submissions, a lot of them went for dozens and dozens of pages. My, my, my submission went for four pages and I was just one duck hunter. Uh, most of the pro hunting organisations wrote submissions in the dozens of pages. And to put this into perspective, the report itself actually did make commentary about the number of submissions that were received because typically committees receive two, three, four thousand submissions. Yeah, and, and, and this just this, this, you know, blew them away, really. So they were quite clearly aware of, that this was, um, this was going to, to cause problems. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll let you keep going, though, because you've got more. Yeah, so what happened, uh, a whole team, now let's, when I say team, all these people, and I'll explain in a minute, got together, and I'll tell you who they are, and then they they formed a body which has probably never been seen in Victoria ever in the hunting organisations or shooting organisations. So I'll just start from, there was the Victorian Duck Hunting Association, so the VDHA, there was Field and Game, uh, which is an old Field and Game is a very old and respected duck hunting organisation. There's the Double S Double A. There was the ORAG, which 
people say, what the hell's ORAG? That's the um, Outdoor Recreation Advocacy Group formed by the ETU, the Electrical Trades Union of Victoria. There was the ETU itself and other unions. There was the ADA, which if you don't know who that is, the Australian Deer Association, or what the hell's the Australian Deer Association care about duck hunting? Well, they care about hunting in Victoria. So they're, 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 they had a big submission. There was foul talkers. There was even the Shoes and Fishes Party uh, and all the hunters, the 26,000 registered duck hunters in Victoria, all got to get deer hunters, all types of hunters throughout the whole of Australia got together and banded together to not only form 7,000 submissions to the government, but they kicked up a stink like you, you the, the ALP hasn't seen for a long time. Yeah. And yep. that, that, that even culminated... Uh, and I think you should talk about this, Neil, because you know the, about this more about than I do, about the ETU taking out a full-page ad threatening to pull all their union members off off the off the um, job sites throughout the whole of Victoria. Now, you might say, oh, that's only a few union members. No, they, they wrote to all their union members and 80% came back, 80% of the membership came back and say they would strike over this. Yep, that's that's huge, which comes from the core of labour. Yes, so this, so this this conglomeration of an, an enormous support, which hasn't been seen in Victoria, stood up to fight Georgie Purcell and the Animal Justice Party, and I don't think Labor expected it. Let me show. I'm going to pop on the screen here that that, um, that full page ad. Uh, now, but obviously, this will be an audio podcast also, so. Apologies um, if you were listening to it and can't see it. Uh, but this is the full page ad that was put out at the time, in addition to a lot of the other communication work that was done uh, to, to get the message to Labor that this was going to, that the unions had jumped onto this. So without reading it, it obviously goes on about the value of duck hunting and the importance of it as a cultural issue as, as well. Um, but you'll see down the bottom, these are some of the organisations. Yeah, I read all those out. That, that, that's incredible who funded yeah. that action. I read all those out. It's the ETU, as we said, the AMWU, which is Australian... Metal, metal Workers Unit. Metal Workers. Now, yeah. this other one with that, uh, I think it's the Eureka flag, uh, that might be the Prospectors Association. There's a SSAA, the Australian Deer Association, BUG, which is a bush users group. Uh, I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Field and Game, the Australian Climbing Association, Verfish. Yep, that's uh, Victorian, we, Victorian Recreational Fishing. Recreational Fishing, yep. Uh, Field and, uh, sorry, Field and Game Australia and the Field and Game, I think, Association. Yeah. Uh, there's there's, a, there's a, a different group that's um, been formed. Foul Talkers, the Victorian Hound Hunters and... I imagine so it's that, wetlands. Yeah, yeah, the that's the wetland wet association, which is the wetland conservation group run by the field and game. Yeah, yeah. So those two groups, sorry, those groups uh, are the ones who, who who steer that. Now I mentioned bush users group. Uh, there was actually an effort to try to bring some of these similar minor groups together in the mid two thousands when there was some other hunting issue that was uh, being considered by government at the time. Uh, this is broader than that. Uh, and this is, you know, the unions were, were putting the money on the table for this. It was a 
question of how you know how far were they prepared to go and as you said they were threatening to walk off the job which would have scared the daylights out of labor yes and, and it wasn't just some members as i said before it was they polled their membership base hmm. their union membership base and 80 percent of them said they would walk off government jobs over this yeah yeah so and actually i've got a I'm going to show you something else here. This is uh, from the ETU website, uh, just so everybody can see. Um, this is really just something we found on before we came on air. This is um, actually some of the, which uh, one of the T-shirts that they actually had available. So that's the outdoor recreational advocacy group, as you, as you can see on the front. Oh, uh, yeah, the IRAD group. Yep, and yeah, that quite uh, impressive illustration on the back which is uh, etu unplug and reconnect and then the name of the group again so yeah we thought i'd just want to show that to you because i thought that was actually quite a good good shirt so what happened to after all that what 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 happened so as as expected the stacked committee group well not as respected i actually came i actually thought that the committee would come back after reading those really impressive mm. submissions especially the especially the submissions from the field and game and double double a were really really professional they were extensive they were they were in dozens of pages and and spoke of actual scientific data after reading all those well put submissions you I, I actually suspected even though i thought a couple of the alps would jump ship and the overall report from the committee would come back in positive as in positive for duck hunting Unfortunately, I believe the they were told a preordained uh, result from that from that committee, um, so, which is political, absolutely political, and, and that, you can talk about that, Neil. That, that's, uh, that's that's all it is. I mean, I, also, I saw in the report that the committee actually went out to, to the Hart Morass. Um, yes, they went, went for it. They, yeah. they went they went out there. They were showing everything, uh, and yet that still wasn't enough to show them the value of of duck hunting. The only person who there was only two people on that day. I watched that that live. Uh, there was only two people on that day that were not impressed. That was the Greens member and Georgie Purcell from the Animal Justice Party. the The rest of the committee at Hart Morass, which is the field and game uh, wetland, which the field and game has spent decades developing, and it's a really successful wetland. The only person, the only two people not impressed from that was Georgie Purcell and the Greens member. Of it. Surprise, surprise. They okay. didn't want to be there. So, so two out of 10. I mean, it's still, as you said, it's just, it just reeks of politics to say that yes. the majority, majority came down the way that it did. So unfortunately, the committee recommended as their primary uh, recommendation came back to a ceasing or an ending of the Victorian duck season. Now, which would have been disastrous for all hunting throughout Australia, especially duck hunting. However, uh, the government can choose to either in, enact or ignore any committee report. Now that and over the next few months, this is where the politics kicked in. So now, after all, after all that, that th this is when Jeff Borman from the Shooters and the Fishers Farmers Party, his key role then he's got, he and you can t you, you can talk about how politics works, Neil, but. His role then for the next couple of months is to sit down with MPs, especially Labor MPs, trying to dissuade them otherwise to ignore the report. He now had a job on his hands 
to say, please ignore that recommendation number one. And that's a big, that's a big ask for, for a, a government, a sitting government. Yeah, I wasn't um, involved in, in that process and I haven't spoken to Jeff about it. But no. but, but you're right. I mean, he's, he, you know, he has to, I think that the problem that we've got as shooters is that we're, we're politically weak and yes. we can't really show government that we can get our people together and actually become effective at the ballot box. Well, there's, um, only, there's only one of Jeff, that, unfortunately, one, one sitting member. Well, what what of Jeff and there's you know in Victoria there's two hundred fifty two hundred seventy thousand licensed shooters something like that you know and so obviously judgments were made uh, at certainly in the committee level that um, you know look it's they they, they they push through with their politics and and the shooters vote won't matter and you know I, I think it's efforts like this led by organisations like Field and Game and AA and, and ourselves and others who really our job is to reach out and say, people, you need to understand what's happening here and why it happens. And I'll be doing a bit, a bit more work on that over the next month to actually try to get that message across. But that's what we have to do because after the next election, the same thing could happen again. There could be another push and uh, the result could be different. That's why we yes. can't let up. Hey, shooters. We just want to thank you for your support for Gun News Australia. If you're enjoying the show and want to help us continue with great podcasts, why not consider a donation or become a subscriber? You can do both at politicsreloaded.com. Now, I, I remember everyone knows that if you lose something, i.e. aka New South Wales or Western Australia or Queensland, if you lose duck hunting, the chances of it coming back in your lifetime is, is nil to zero. It's is very, very slim. It's so, been hard. It's been hard enough, as you know, to keep it. You're talking about ten times the effort to get it back. Yes. So this was a, there was a lot riding on. There was a, this was this was all in or nothing. So yeah. there's a lot riding on this outcome, and it, it affected hunters throughout the whole of Australia. So what happened? So I, as we found out uh, this week, it was Sunday night. I sent you a message, Neil. I think it was about eight o'clock Sunday night that I just was just happened to be reading paper. Yeah. Now, funny enough, the, the government leaked, someone leaked something and it hit the newspapers on Sunday night. Now, I don't know whether that was deliberate, as in to uh, put it out on a Sunday night to r- reduce the effect. That was the uh, night of the men's final in, in, the, in, the, in the, the tennis open. Right. Okay, yeah. You, I wasn't watching the tennis, but there you go. No, uh, I'm not tennis, but it was that night. No, but I... I to release that on a Sunday evening, knowing that the shitstorm is going to happen on the Monday morning, yeah. especially for one Georgie Purcell from the Animal Justice Party and also Animals Australia, was a very big call. And the only reason they did that, I believe, is because the newspaper article made it clear that they were about to go against the recommendation as they were going to keep duck hunting, which was a yeah. huge announcement. And deal into that mix, the RSPCA, because yes. whilst, whilst I hadn't heard much from them, I did see a note um, and quite correctly that he said from Barry Howlett from AA that the RSPCA, once upon a time, they actually were told to pull their head in because they're, they're there, they're funded by government to look after, to you know, provide rescue services or whatever they do for animals, but they're getting involved in, in, in political campaigns. So they actually backed away from, from that. 
and um, you know they're getting back into it again. Yeah. So, but that's not to also prevent them from using other organisations as, you know, as a bit of a puppet either. That's the risk that can happen. So, what happened on the Monday? So, obviously, the ALP cabinet um, is it the caucus, Neil? The caucus from the ALP needed oh, to meet. It, yeah, the cabinet. I think it's yeah. Uh, yeah, I think cabinet, cabinet meetings are, mon- are Mondays, yeah. Yes. So they held a cabinet meeting. Now, that cabinet meeting went for four hours. Why did it go for four hours? Because it was meant to be a short meeting where every all their ministers would have been very, very aware of what the newspaper article said the night before, that they're about to go against the committee report and keep duck hunting for mm-hmm. um, shooters throughout Australia, it's not just Victorian hunters. There are lots of people like myself who fly down from, I'm in Brisbane. There are a lot of people from, out, from all around Australia who fly down for duck for duck season in Victoria. And also Victoria. I mean, the duck seasons are held not only in Victoria, South Australia, Northern Territory, yep. Tasmania, and also New South Wales holds the um, R licence program, which is the um, uh, non-recreational duck hunting, if you want to call it. Which is the rice mitigation program so there every shooter throughout every duck hunter throughout australia was riding on this uh, riding on this outcome so what happened animal um georgie purcell and animals australia released an emergency uh list of ministers who to contact and phone she listed all all their phone numbers all the all the alp phone numbers who were going to make the decision and all their personal emails and all their personal phone numbers to bombard the ministers before 3 p.m. when the decision was made. Luckily for us, that 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 did not work. But I've got to tell you, speaking um, uh, speaking to um, certain people, I'm not going to say who, but speaking to certain people, I can tell you that the decision came down to literally it was it was closer than close. Let, let yep. me put it that way. Yes. So it it wasn't a foregone conclusion from the night before. We may have even lost some support during the day. So it was not a foregone conclusion that the uh, that the um, Jacinta Allen, the, the the premier, was going to make. So she had until three o'clock to convince ministers otherwise, and it went down to the wire. Yeah. So uh, the decision to keep duck hunting is going to affect hunting for the next 10 years. So what? Uh, what's your thoughts on that, Neil? Uh, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, I know that his, um, previously uh, the papers have published uh, a list of MPs, uh, Labor MPs, who were opposed to duck hunting. It was a big list. It was 20-odd. So you're pretty much talking half the Labor team. Uh, forget about ministers, forget about cabinet, we, we were talking about just across the board. Uh, and, yeah, it's it's a problem. It's a cultural problem. Uh, it's, yeah. you know, that we've got with, with Labor now. And and also from from the, the Liberals. I know that there was a, a James Newbury, who was a member for Brighton, when he was elected, his maiden speech was about banning duck hunting. Um, now, I think he softened his views, but it's 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 permeating both sides so we've still got a lot of work to do um in the years going forward and i just hope that one of these efforts that's happening to try to focus shooters on the issue and get political and actually 
spend five, 10 minutes of the time to actually do something, whether it's to call a local member or whatever it is, that they do that because um, that's what we need. We really need that. Yes. Yeah. So a little bit of history, Neil. So duck hunting has been opposed by an organisation called CADS, which is um, Coalition Against Duck Shooting. Yep. That's 30 years old, that organisation. That's Laurie Levy and his little merry band of merry students, because it's mainly students from yep. university, used to rock up every duck opening, roughly opening, and maybe a couple of weeks thereafter, for the last 30 years. Now, Laurie's, Laurie's been heavily on the media, trying to ban duck hunting since. However, it wasn't until uh, 2013, the season of 2013, where the animal, I would call them the animals' rights groups, got involved. So that's 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 the animal. Uh, I don't think the Animal Justice Party were involved back then. Um, I'm not even sure whether they when they were formed, um, Neil. But I don't. They went. They went, they went around then. Yeah. So um, there was a there was a, call, a an organisation called ALV, which is Animal Liberation Victoria, which I'll tell you a story about in a minute. 2013 was the first season. The duck opening season, the Animal Liberation Victoria entered the fray. How I know that is because I nearly killed one of them. And I'll tell you that story in a second. So Animal Liberation Victoria was the first animal rights party to join Laurie Levy as such, a CAD. So it used to be CAD's Coalition Against Duck Shooting for 30 years. Um, I think this I think this year is their 30th year. Um, he was having some success trying to get media on. Everyone remembers the dumping of the ducks in front of um, Victorian Parliament every year. Yep. He was having some success on the media, but limited success. It wasn't until the big money from the animals' rights associations and the Animal Justice Party and especially Animals Australia. Now, only in the, the last, I think, three seasons that the Animals Australia, with their big money, their big donations, have been putting full-page ads uh, trying to get duck hunting bad. So that's the history over the last 30 years. started off just with Laurie Levy and a couple of supporters. That turned into Laurie Levy and a whole bunch of students uh, who followed him around on duck opening. And, in fact, it became quite comical most seasons with the students who had no idea what they were doing, following Laurie around, waving flags and blowing whistles. Then it turned into... 2013, it turned into uh, Animal Liberation Victoria joining the fray. And then over the last few years, it's been the An Animals Australia, I think the last three years. And the, of course, Laurie, uh, Georgie Purcell and also Andy Medic. Do you remember what, Andy Medic? Obviously, he was elected four years ago, was it? Five years yes. ago. Yep. So Andy Medic was the Animal Justice Party. Now, Andy's been anti duck hunting for decades, but he was elected five years ago. And that's when the Animal Justice Party five years ago entered the fray against, or politically wise, against duck shooting. Yeah. So I know I know that's a mouthful, but do you, do you you've heard of CADS, haven't you, Laurie? Yeah, uh, Laurie, yeah. Um, Laurie um, Levy. Yeah, and there's also some uh, group within the Labor Party against. Uh, I think it's called Labor Members Against Duck Shooting, or something that was formed. Yes. So there are all these little groups, and you're quite right. Basically, the they've escalated. I guess the the size of the machine that they've got. Yes. And, and also I looked at um, for the last, I think, five or six years, Geelong Duck Rescue have been active 
down on Reedy Lake and Geelong. So those groups, Geelong Dusk Rescue and Cats were the smaller groups, as you say. It wasn't until the big hitters, uh, Animal Justice Party and Animals Australia and Animal Relation Victoria hit the show that this became a, a real fight. So, um, do you want me to talk about how I nearly um, knocked off the president of the Animal Liberation Victoria? Did you back your four-wheel drive not fast enough? No, no, no. got worse. Let's just say um, I was do on... Want, do you want to hear this? Yeah, I'll, I'll, hear this. <laughs> Okay, all right. I take the responsibility for this. But away okay. you go. It, it was my second season. Um, I think I joined duck hunting in 2012. So 2013 was my second season. I, I was on um, uh, Lake Lons, I think Lake Lonsdale, or, uh, which was it's a Victorian lake, uh, northern northwest of Victoria. Now, um, on my lake was a was a bunch of uh, six Italian uh, shooters who spoke no English at all, and me. So we were we were um, a, a very lonely bunch of uh, duck hunters, whereas some other leaks close by had hundreds and hundreds of shooters, including the media and including um, all the CADs, lorry and all the CADs and all the media were on another lake. That was another lake close by. I think it was um, Lake Baobao. Lake Baobao, they were all on the other lake. However, on my lake, there were just me and six Italians. So we were a pretty lonely, happy bunch. About 10 a.m., um, duck opening opened about at 7 a.m. It was the duck opening on Saturday morning. 10 a.m., I saw four orange-shirted members of the, of the public uh, walk, wading onto the middle of the lake. I was at a couple hundred metres in the lake. I was in waders and carrying a shotgun. I saw these four orange-shirted members rock, rolling onto the um, the lake and approaching me from a couple hundred metres away, getting closer and closer. And I, I, looked, at them, I looked at them and go, is this, is this Game Victoria? Because Game Victoria wears police-style blue uniforms and normally wears a yellow vest saying Game Victoria. These these guys were orange. You know, who the hell are these people? It wasn't until I realised they were about 100 metres away that I realised it was it was the president of Animal Liberation Victoria, Felicity Anderson, and her niece, and two other a cameraman, and another so three or four members from Animal Liberation Victoria approaching me. So I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> it's like, and this is I've only it just by the way, Neil, it's, I'm I'm the only person for 100, 100 meters away, and and the six Italians are on my right. Um, following so far, yeah. Um, so the Italians were having a good. They they had dogs. I didn't have. I didn't have any hunting dogs. The Italians were having a good shoot. Now they they wounded a duck. Um, now, now most of most of the ducks they were hitting cleanly. However, they wounded one, and they yelled out to me, "Yours, yours, yours!" As it was coming down, the wounded duck was coming down from right to left towards where I was, and it was approaching. It was actually going to land almost right in front of me. Uh, no more than 15, 15 metres away right in front of me. It was about to land. I thought, great, I haven't got a duck all morning. So I was about to get my first duck, courtesy of the Italian shooters, the Italian hunters right next to me. And uh, the duck came down. So I, I raised up my Rosini shotgun. I had a Rosini over and under shotgun. 
I put the first barrel, which was um, steel shot duck load, um, into it and it hit it again and it was folding up and coming straight down towards me. So it was about to land right in front of me. So it was it was hit again cleanly, but it was about to land right in front of me. I was about it hit the water, and I was about to put my second barrel in it uh, to finish it off. Now, I, uh, Neil, I'm I am left eye dominant, so I can't shoot shotguns like you. Have you shot shotguns before? Like, have you yeah. shot clays or shotgun? Do you shoot with what? Do you shoot both eyes open? Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, but, but right I can't. I can't do that. I'm so strongly left eye dominant that I can't shoot. I can't shoot both eyes open because I can't see down the barrel. So I have to close my left eye and only use my right eye for um, shooting a shotgun. Hmm. So what, as you can guess, Neil, what does that do to my field of vision? Yeah. Um, so my field of vision is now straight down the barrel. So my field of vision is restricted just over the barrel. Now, unbeknownst to me, as I was about to pull the second trigger, I had literally had my finger pulling the second shot now. Unbeknownst to me, Felicity Anderson had run in front of my barrel and about to pick up the duck, literally about to pick up wow. this dead dead duck right in front of my barrel. And I, out of the corner of my eye, now I remember I'm now left eye closed, right eye down the barrel, finger on the trigger, about to let off that second shot to finish this duck off. And right in front of me, Neil, appeared this orange shirt of Felicity Anderson bending down to pick up this duck. They got a habit of doing this. A few years ago, there was some other duck protester who claimed that she was shot and you know, hit with yes. lead pellets or something. You know, because they walk in into a, a situation where they know what's happening. And I think they're actually supposed to have game licenses to be on on the wetlands. Yeah, they went. She's not. She wasn't allowed to be on the wetland. No, but <laughs> not allowed to be there. Not... They walk in front of somebody who's shooting. I mean, okay, well, well, Neil, if it wasn't for, let's say, trigger discipline, and trigger discipline from up up until that point about twenty five years of army, I lifted the shotgun. I didn't pull the second shot, obviously, because it's flash of orange appeared in front of my barrel uh, I, I was in shock I, I didn't know what was going on i lifted the barrel up above her head and took my finger off the trigger she was she does not know how close she came she to death like well, there's reasons why they're warned by people about doing what they do and it's you know there, is, there needs to be a special category of the darwin awards i think for all right the, I'm glad. Obviously, I'm glad that nothing happened. Yes. But that was that was that scared the crap out of me, and that was my introduction, Neil, to the animal liberation of Victoria. And that will. Um, we'll that was, that's how that's how come I know that the, that was their first year that they that was 2013 opening, and that was the first year an animal rights organisation entered the wetlands, the Victorian wetlands, and ever since then it's gone to Animals Australia. Animals Justice Party, obviously CADs and all other hanger, hangers-on. Okay. So I think where we go from here, uh, unless you've got anything more to add for... Yeah, well, what I'd like to say, um, so where to from here? So all those groups got together and they saved duck hunting. And I'd like to say there's a special thanks to... There was two people who obviously field and game were very um, instrumental. The unions were very instrumental. 
ORAG, the um, Outdoor Recreational Advocacy Group, all these, and uh, Victorian Duck Hunting Association, all these groups were very, very important, and plus the 7,000 submissions from hunters all around Australia. Now, a special note needs to go out to uh, especially Jeff Borman from the Shooters and Fishers Party, who did all the background work following that committee's report. All the, all the uh, sitting down with members, ALP members, trying to save duck hunting. And also a special note needs to go out to the huge amount of effort uh, that SSAA Victoria and led by Jack Whitman and Barry Howlett um, put into not only the submission, but also supporting shooters all around um, Australia doing their own submissions. I mean, also Field and Game even had even had like submission writing nights where they would actually help other hunters who weren't very computer literate to come into the to the Field and Game offices and, and write their own submissions. So thanks needs to go to those people, plus all all those associations all the people who put in submissions. Uh, if we didn't all get together, Neil, we would have lost duck hunting. We would have been whitewashed. Simple as that. Because the government would have said, look, these shooters can't get themselves organised. The antis can. Um, they lose out. And they didn't. And it's all because of the efforts that you, you've just talked about, Sean. Yeah. So we now have duck hunting secured, I believe, for the next 10 years because of these groups came together and realised the importance and also the traditions the traditions and the importance of duck hunting in, in, in Victoria. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, well, thank you for that. So anything like you like to add on that one, Neil? Not, not, not on, on this one. I'm, uh, if you've got nothing more duck, because we will come back to duck hunting again before the season. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do another podcast on that. But I really felt it was worth going through the committee's report tonight um, and just to explain to people sort of sort of how it came about and, and how it all worked. Um, but we really, there's more to cover on this issue in the next few weeks, which we'll be doing. Yes. This episode of Gun News Australia is brought to you by Politics Reloaded. Make sure you follow our podcast or simply join our email list at politicsreloaded.com. I'd like to now just cut across to the second issue. Actually, I had it in reverse order originally because I wasn't aware the duck hunting announcement was going to happen. Um, but I, I ran a survey recently. And whilst I guess the, the, the results are going to be were pretty obvious and would be known to every shooter, I wanted to attach some numbers to it. And that was really about what we think the public understands about our gun laws. And the second part of that question is how much we think the politicians understand about our gun laws. As I said, we, we, you, 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 you know the results before you, you hold it, but because we've never actually done it, I thought, let's do it, put some numbers out. And so the results that have come back are actually stronger than, than what I expected. So I'm just going to quickly show you uh, at the back end. Now, I did a bit of an article on this a few days ago, um, but these are some sort of more up-to-date numbers. Uh, where the first question is about who do you think, and there's about 240 uh, people who responded to this, uh, this, this survey, who do you think understands our gun laws? And I gave three choices. The first was only shooters properly understand the laws. 
The second is that shooters and non-shooters understand them pretty much equally. And the third one is that only non-shooters understand gun laws. I could have had shades of grey in that, but I just wanted to give three options. And you can see here, the clear majority, uh, in fact, uh, it's 90, 90, nearly 93% of those uh, uh, people who responded who are going to be shooters actually said that only sh they understand the gun laws. Now, that's a much more polarising result than I thought because I would have thought shooters would certainly have said, yes, they understand gun laws, but also there are non-shooters out there who who do as well. Not not really, no. In fact, shooters quite quite clearly feel that they are the only ones who actually properly understand the uh, standard gun laws. So, again, the, the result, as in the... The actual choice that that was selected is not a surprise, but I think the strength of that is is sort of what what surprises me. Yeah. And you've got you've got two people uh, who said only non-shooters. Uh, actually, I'm going to come back to this this point in a minute. But there are two people who said only non-shooters understand our gun laws, and that's actually quite telling because if I go to the second question. Uh, oops, I did the wrong thing there. Okay, that, that, that uh, is a similar question, but it was specifically in relation to politicians. And that is, uh, the, the question, you probably can't read it on the screen, but the question is, what about politicians? How well do they understand their gun laws? There are four choices. The first was they've got a really good understanding of them. The second is they've got an okay understanding of them. The third is they've got a poor understanding of them. The last one is I don't think they understand them at all. And you can see here that the, sh the shooters are 90, what's that, 98% saying they have a poor or, or no understanding. Again, that's hardly a shock in terms of which option was uh, one. But what is surprising is, this, is, the, the, is the feeling, the, you know, the actual um, strength of that that um, politicians don't get it. I mentioned those two other people who felt that only non-shooters understand gun laws. They voted here, and not even they were brave enough to say that politicians have got a really good understanding of our gun laws. I'll tell you also doesn't have a complete understanding, Neil, of gun laws. It's actually police officers. They know the basics. They know the basics, but as you know, I've had about three... Uh, safe keeping checks in my lifetime. How many of you have, Neil? Uh, three or four. So I think yeah. three, maybe. Yeah. Of those people, I, I would say only one of the three police officers who came to my place and all that time, both in Victoria and Queensland, mind you, have had really any idea what the hell they were doing there or what the gun laws actually were in this country, um, in any state. I trained when I was when I was in the Australian Federal Police years ago. I the only firearm which I was ever exposed to was a Smith and Wesson Model Ten. That was it. That was my the limit of my not my exposure to firearms, even as a shooter. Then, and yeah. that's and that that's that's going to be very typical of of police officers. They do their 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 qualifications and requalifications, but they're. No, they don't. They, no, people who think that police officers understand guns—they're—they're they're talking to the wrong of wrong officers. There'll be some that do, but but um, no, it's it's not part of the course. Yeah. Now there is a second survey which I just want to quickly plug, and I would really love it if um, if you're watching or listening to this podcast, if you could actually 
uh, tune in. Now, I'm going to put a link in the description to this this uh, podcast. Uh, it'll take you to the survey, but I'm also going to, in a moment, show you a QR code. If you're watching it, scan it. But basically, I want to drill into, um, I guess, I think some of the, more, the, the questions around what you think politics related should be focusing on uh, going forward. Now, we want to do the sort of things which we've always done, which are um, our articles, our um, advocacy, uh, legal actions, providing voting advice. But I'm interested in understanding which of those actually shooters think are actually more important than others. Um, and also to give an opportunity, to, if you want to raise anything, you know, to raise it with us, you, you can do that. The That is now open, and I'm going to show the QR code. So if you know how to use them, just scan it with your phone, and um, if you could... Uh, yeah, basically have your say. Uh, let us. Get, we'll probably keep it up for another week, and then I'll, I'll tell you the results, and I'll, I'll come back and we'll, we'll let you know exactly what um, what the what basically what you're you're saying you want us uh, politics reloaded to do because we're here for good. Uh, really, really want to be able to fine tune what we're doing and, and work from there. Okay, I think. I've, that's all I'm going to cover for now. So, unless you've got anything to raise, Sean? Yeah, I, um, well, look, it, this week has been a really, I can't emphasise this week has been a really important meet week for shooters throughout the country. Like the keeping of duck season has ramifications all over this country for hunters and shooters and target shooters and gun collectors, everyone who owns a firearm in this country. Yeah. And to, to there is no way shooters throughout this country can thank all those organisations that Shooters and Fishers Party, SSAA, Field and Game, ORAG, VDHA, the ETU, the ADA, Foul Talkers, all the people who came together enough. They cannot thank them enough for what they have done to save hunting in in not only Victoria but for Australia because this would have had dramatic ramifications for deer hunting was next. Georgia Purcell categorically stated that deer hunting, if she banned duck hunting, deer hunting in Victoria was next. So this had a huge, this has been a huge week and we I just can't underestimate the thanks that all shooters in Australia have to have for everyone who got together and saved duck hunting Victoria. That's all I have to say, Neil. Hmm. Yep. I think you're right. And the domino, the, as, as you said, there's a domino effect, and that's, that's that simple. So, okay, yeah. look, we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, Sean, look, thank you so much for that. Yeah, have a good, have a good weekend, Neil, and um, we'll see you next time. Yeah, and uh, look, for, for those of you watching on, on online, if you could uh, like us on Facebook, uh, uh, follow us on YouTube, just hit the subscribe button. That's a great way to support us, and um, we'll, we'll look forward to uh, seeing you hopefully on, on next week. In fact, I've got an interview next week with a, um, an MP, an independent MP, which you'll hear about in due course. So thank you very much, and we'll see you later. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and that you're on our email list. And don't forget to check the episode notes because that's where you'll find out how you can support us. Plus, let us know if you want something promoted on the podcast. Maybe you've got a shoot coming up that you want to promote. Just let us know.
We'll see you in the next episode of Gun News Australia, brought to you by Politics Reloaded.